Welcome back to He's Dead Jim. We're watching Star Trek, the original series, one episode at a time. And today we've reached a very special milestone, our first encounter with the Klingon Empire. I'm Mick McConnell, and joining me as always is one of my most favourite pals in the Alpha Quadrant, Emily Lind. Good morning, Emily. How are you, pal? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very excited. I love this episode. It's really good. Not just because it's uh, an exciting Klingon episode. It's actually like it's a really good episode. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I watched this and then I watched a sort of related episode of Deep Space Nine and enjoyed them both immensely. Nice. Very cool. I might introduce our guest. Uh, We bring someone new into the fold. Uh, Good buddy, awesome, hilarious comedian, Dan Dennis. Hello. Thank you for having me here on your Star Trek podcast. Thank you so much for coming along. It's all good, Mick. I love watching TV and having a reason for it. So... (laughs) Excellent. That's yeah. why we started this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, you, thanks for um, making time to jump in and see us today. You're about to head off to Adelaide for the Comedy Festival. Yes, I am. I'm about to fly down to the Adelaide for the Fringe Festival next week where I'm making my festival debut. Excellent. Oh, cool. What day is your opening night? I'm opening on the 28th of February uh, at 5.30pm. So, if you're looking for something to do after work and you live in Adelaide, please come and see me. The show's called Now We're Cooking, and I'm there until the 2nd of March, 5.30 p.m., one-hour show. Fantastic. Good sizzle. Yeah. Man, I love Dan's show at Bruce Funny Fest. It was so good. So Thank I'm you so much. I'm kind of jealous I'm not going to be in Adelaide. Thank you so much, Mick. Um, super exciting. So thanks for, for making some time in your busy schedule before you take off. You're going. You're doing Melbourne Comedy Festival this year too. Yes, yes. I'm one. also bringing Now We're Cooking to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival uh, and I'll also be joined by two other fabulous Brisbane comedians, Grace Jarvis and Sam Bowden. Grace will be doing the first week. Sam's doing the second week. 5.30 p.m., Fireside at Bar and Pare. It's right behind City Hall, but all these details are also available on the website. So Awesome. This is yep. a, an excellent infomercial. Very there we good. go. So they're, they're Honestly, uh, you guys, three of my favorite Brisbane comics. Oh, thank you so much, um, Mick. And we have a, this generation, you, you young people... Yeah. You're pretty funny. <laughs> we, <laughs> the youth of today, you I'm very proud pe- of them. <laughs> yeah, you young people, get off my lawn and get on stage. <laughs> Make me laugh. Very good. So I'm kind of jealous. I was just in my head, I was thinking, how can I fit in a flight to Melbourne? Yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> um, so you're you're pretty new to Star Trek, aren't you? Or tell us, you're, you're not, you wouldn't sit down and watch the original series on a regular no, basis? No, no. So I am... New to Star Trek, I think my first exposure to Star Trek was when I was about five or six, and that was just the ads on TV one. And I was like, what is this? And Dad's like, don't do it to yourself, Dad. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so Dad's not a fan? I don't think he's not a fan. I think, actually, no, I, he's not a fan, but I think you also recognize at a very young age, I would have just been sucked into it because uh, uh, yeah. I was already very into Star Wars. Um and then the J.J. Abrams movies came out, so I saw both of those at cinema, I think. I haven't seen the third one, and I started watching Discovery when it came to Netflix. Nice. Like, where are you up to in Discovery? Episode three. Of, the, of season, <laughs> season one. one. Nice. Yeah. So, it didn't really grab you then? <laughs> oh, no. Like, it grabbed me. I just got real busy and never got around to getting back into it. Emily hasn't watched Discovery yet. Nope. 
The first two episodes I can't recommend highly enough. They're so good. Yeah. I watched the pilot. Yeah, I love and- it. Here's the thing, if if it were on Netflix in the US, I'd probably be watching it. But to watch it here, I mean, well, to watch it legally here, it's a whole other yeah. subscription that I have to get. Oh, yeah, it's CBS I mean, yeah. on demand, isn't it? Yeah, which I wouldn't Cause, use for anything. Cause, yeah, because they bought Channel 10 over here and they've now released Channel 10 on demand. Yeah, and that's... And no one's getting that because <laughs> Channel 10 has nothing. Yeah, it's sort of it's got all uh, it's got a little bit of CBS's back catalogue that nobody yeah. else has bought up here yet. Yeah, um, but there's a new there's a Captain Picard series, so he's coming back. The Captain oh, fuck, from yeah. Next Gen. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Professor X. Yeah. 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 yeah Stuart Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. So there's a new Picard series, and I'm guessing that's probably going to be on Tenel Access here, so we'll probably have to sign up. Which I will take all of my money now. Yep, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So I reckon Emily will jump on board CBS All Access then. I'll jump on CBS All Access at least for a couple months when they start doing the new Twilight Zone, which I think starts in April. And then I'll and then I'll sit once I have it, I'll sit down and watch Discovery. Oh man, that's so exciting. That's gonna be like me. I'm gonna have to sign up to Foxtel to get this last game of Thrones. (laughs) Oh man, do it. Foxtel now is so good. Mm. It's so worth it. Um, I've got so many things though, Dan. Yeah, I know, but Foxtel now is HBO now. Yeah, that's true. You get the entire HBO back catalogue for like $15 a month. Crank up some Sopranos. Yeah, bit of uh, The Wire. Oh, nice. Deadwood. You can teach your kids. Deadwood. Yeah, I've never yeah. watched Deadwood. Oh my God, to. you're killing me, man. I've never, I've never watched Westworld either. I, I didn't watch season two. I loved the first season. Like the first season is for me almost a perfect season of television and season two i got about halfway through and went fuck this i hate this now (laughs) okay yeah i heard that but i did hear there's an episode that you have to watch that's meant to be really good and it's only very good if you've watched the rest of the season it was a american indian character or something like that yeah that was a really good one now was that similar to the episode from AMC's Hell on Wheels where uh, Common's character was uh, had suffered a concussion, woke up in an Indian tribe, and he um, couldn't understand any of the language, and then he starts to become one of them, and it's a very potent piece showing that all people are the same. It's just our beliefs that separate us. Having n- never seen f- like even five minutes of Hell on Wheels, I'm going to say, yes, they're exactly the same. Okay, cool. I've seen that episode then. (laughs) Would you like to participate in our meritocracy quiz? Sure. First question is, what job would you like to do on the Enterprise? Um, I like to drive. like to be the pilot? I like to be the pilot. Sulu. Yeah, Sulu. You like Sulu. I think pilot's a fun job. Yeah. Because then you get to navigate stuff. But there's also a lot of pressure. Maybe the teleporter, Scotty. Is it Scotty? Yeah. Well, Scotty. Yeah, he's he's the end, like he's head of engineering. Or okay, cool. He also runs the teleporter. Because yeah, head of head of engineering then. Sweet. Yeah. Scotty doesn't drive those, but you could be both. You can do both. Man, Why drive when you can teleport? Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. You'd be very handy on the on a starship, multi cool. multi talented, yeah, multi skilled. <laughs> um, have you seen um, Seth MacFarlane's Orville? No, I've been meaning to. It's all on SBS On Demand. It's good. Yeah, yeah I've heard it's, it's really, good. really good. Like a real cowboy pilot. 
character on that. Yeah, I was, I'm surprised by how good that show is, actually. Yeah. Similar to Firefly with the cowboy pilot or... Emily can answer that. I haven't it's, seen enough Firefly. It's not, no, because it's definitely more of like just a straight comedy than Firefly is. Okay, cool. Sweet. Yeah, but it's also like if you're expecting like Family Guy or whatever, it's not. It's like it's actually a good science yeah. fiction show. Yeah, okay, cool. With, um, pretty, pretty intense storylines. It's pretty good. Which alien race would you like to be in Star Trek? Um, oh, my God. Vulcan. Nice. Good choice. Got to go Vulcan. Gotta get those choice. Got to get those styling ears. Got to get those sweet mind powers and just the knowledge of everything. You get to mate once every seven years or something like that. Yeah, so that's pretty good. It means there's no <laughs> expectation to go outside. <laughs> Have I got that right? There's something like yeah, that. Yeah, pond far every seven years. Oh, my God. Why is that is knowledge in my years? brain? Yeah, I think no, it is. No, that's I'm, great. Ugh. Thank God you're here, Emily. Um, so yep. once every seven years, you'll go crazy and yeah, just go, go into a violent rage with everyone until you mate. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to um, we'll get across that and see. Maybe, maybe I won't do the violent raging though. Maybe I might just like let someone know. I'm like, hey, I won't be myself in a couple of months' time. <laughs> This doesn't sound believable, but if I mate with someone, it all ends. It, so <laughs> Sounds like every dodgy guy at a bar. Yeah, it sounds so dodgy now that I've said that out loud. I regret. <laughs> we'll see how Spock deals with Maybe, that. Yeah, uh, that, that might relate to your incel listeners, but um, <laughs> if you've got any of those. Oh, man. Tons of them. I don't want Spock to be an incel. Yeah, Spock, yeah Spock's an incel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, what food would you replicate first? Oh, um, easy. Domino's, egg meats pizza, extra large base, add chili flakes, add peri-peri sauce well. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Replicate that a lot. <laughs> it's kind of like replicating now. You just hit a button on your phone. Yeah. It it's appears. like, oh, another one's here now. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes like 15 minutes. But if I only had to pay Domino's once for one of those sweet pizzas... You've only had to pay once. No, and that's what I'm saying. If I only had to pay once, oh, then I nice. could just replicate it even better. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't even. Somebody's already done that. It's in the database. So you just ask. You just ask Siri for a pizza, and out it comes. Oh my god, I love Star Trek now. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I don't know if you're familiar with the holodeck. You would have heard oh. it talked about in pop culture. So yeah, it comes in a next generation. It's basically their rec room where. Uh, instead of going down to the squash courts while they get time off duty, they go down to this room where it simulates any reality you want. It's basically virtual reality if you could touch things. Oh, cool. Yeah, so rather than you'd have to put a helmet on, just the room around you suddenly becomes whatever world or universe you want. Yeah. What would you like to do in the holodeck? Huh. Um, I'd like to go to the beach or snorkeling. I'd nice. like to go snorkeling. Just because then there's no like negative uh, impact from me going snorkeling, and I love snorkeling. Yeah, really yeah. enjoy it. Enjoy the reef, enjoy the fish. Just take it all in, Good and then God. you don't have to worry about sharks. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Because reef sharks, real nasty. Every now and then, the, there's an episode in Next Gen, or pretty much most of them, where there's a bug in the holodeck and everything goes wrong. So the sharks will eventually come for you. Not in my holodeck. Not in our holodeck, yeah. <laughs> not my not. holodeck. 
Fantastic. Well, we've got a we've got a wonderful episode to talk about, so we may as well crack on. Yep. Okay, this week we watched Errand of Mercy, uh, which is episode 26 from season one. It's episode 27 on Netflix. Uh, it originally aired on NBC on the 23rd of March, 1967, and we're at start date 3198.4. Directed by John Newland, and he did a fantastic job, but this is the only Star Trek episode that he did. Uh, it's written by series regular Gene L. Kuhn. I was wondering if you were going to say that last name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's come up a bit. I mean, it's yeah. his last name. You can't – it's it's weird to censor it. <laughs> it's true, but it's kind of like if someone – if his name was Gene L. N-word. Like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you'd probably censor it. Like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, you would have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Uh that guy is a good writer. Yeah, it's great. A, it's a good it episode, great and definitely this is a cracker. Um, the episode opens with Kirk reading secret orders out on the bridge that he's been told, you know, to it must be encrypted or something, and he's they're told to go to a certain point in space and then decrypt them. Looking fabulous in his mustard skivvy. Yeah, yeah. Latest. Do you like the fashions? I love the fashion, like <laughs> the weird little go-go dress that um what's her name was wearing uh like all the dudes all all the dudes are just wearing long pants long sleeves covered up and then all the women just have like short skirts on yeah and you're like oh you can tell a man made this (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's a man's version of feminism like there's a woman allowed on the bridge in a uh, a decent role yes but only if she's easy on the eyes (laughs) (laughs) that's it Small steps in the 60s. Yeah. Um, So negotiations are breaking down with the Klingon Empire and Starfleet Command suspect a surprise attack is imminent. The Enterprise is ordered to proceed to Organia and use whatever steps are necessary to prevent the Klingons from using it as a base. Uh, Spock says the humanoid inhabitants of Organia are a very peaceful, friendly people living on a primitive level approximately class D minus on the Richter scale of cultures. Ah. Brutal. <laughs> Earthquakes and advanced civilizations. <laughs> As Richter really knows his stuff. <laughs> um, That's some wild bullshit that is. <laughs> yeah, you're like, Come oh, okay, maybe they're not that primitive then. Like D minus, okay, something's up. <laughs> and then Kirk immediately replies, he says, another Armenia or Belgium. <laughs> so I'm like, thing, fuck, Kirk's going all racist, saying, look at these D-minus countries. Yeah. I mean, very racist, considering what we know about Armenia now. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they didn't exactly give up as much as they were slaughtered in their sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, so he just says the, the weak innocence, they always seem to be located on the natural invasion routes. So we're a couple of decades after World War Two, I guess. So Belgium's pretty relevant. Uh, on cue, the Enterprise is attacked by a Klingon bird of prey. Now, this looks to be, in the series we get on Netflix, there's CGI that's been added in. Uh, it's like yep. a special edition. Yep. Um, so I meant to see if I could find out what the ships originally looked like because they, the what we see there looks like CGI. It was bad CGI, though. Yeah, but it was, you know, it was yeah, the 90s. Yeah. And I didn't TV, exactly, yeah, CGI. it was like, it was George Lucas quality. Well, um, also, you know, they're doing it for a 
the like DVD release, not for a major yeah. motion picture. They probably didn't have that That's much true. money to do it. You tell me that the central broadcasting service doesn't have that much money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been Paramount Home Entertainment and whatever budget they kicked in, yeah. so they can get a bullet point on the box. Yeah, but we sort of see the the space phenomena like comets and galaxies or whatever that the planets look really good yeah um whenever they try and do ships and things they look terrible they look yeah like, um basic sort of animatics that you might use you know before you actually go and do it reminded animation. me a bit of thunderbirds yeah but yeah. they just like removed the strings yeah <laughs> <laughs> so there's still there's some of the original ships and things but yeah definitely the the klingon ships look like cgi the Enterprise quickly defeats uh, the Klingons and Uhura receives a message, Code 1 from Starfleet, which apparently means they're now at war. Oh, so this was the start of the war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, like, what happened the previous 27, 26 episodes when they weren't at war? Though? No Klingons. No Klingons. No Klingons. So this is essentially the Klingons could have just been the one-off bad guys of the week, I guess. Okay. I think um, it's a big part. I, I, I don't know what their original plans were, whether they were planning to have, have them a repeat guest. Yep. Um, I think it's definitely helped by the, the main guy, Core. That actor's fantastic. Yeah. He's okay. great. I think he really defined what a Klingon is. Um, kind of racist makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of that apart from the makeup. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, man, I'm trashing the joint. Are you breaking things? Yeah. So, yeah, Mick's currently yeah. drinking a three standard drink beer. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. on to his third, so he is plastered. I am on to half of my first. Mm, that that doesn't sound beer. right. I'm going to go with you on your third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Mick we know and love. I'm just going to go with I'm a lightweight. Yeah. I'm not quite sure if I should leave when we're done recording here because your wife isn't here and you're in charge of the children. I'm and in charge of one of the children, 50% of the children. He has more oh, than so one children. Oh, so it's fine if something happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a backup. She's fine. She's watching Teen Titans on Netflix. Okay. I think I've fixed. <laughs> no, she's watching Titans on Netflix. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> she said it was Teen Titans. I walked in and she just looked at me and said, fuck Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. The Enterprise reaches Organia and a Klingon fleet are on their way. Kirk places Sulu in command and orders him to leave if the fleet arrives and then Kirk and Spock beam down to a cool medieval village with castle-type stone walls. Mm. The locals don't even look up at them. They don't care that these aliens just beamed into their medieval planet and then we get some stock footage of a castle or some sort of fortress up on the hill yes with some misty clouds it almost looks like it's on fire i thought the attack yeah. had already started it reminded me a bit of the shot from uh this is a, a deep cut uh there was a Whoopi goldberg movie where she had sent back to the <laughs> medieval no she had sent back to the medieval times um i can't remember what it was and like she looks up and there's a castle and she's like what <laughs> you're like get out of that here that was like it was it was some sort of of play on a connecticut yankee in king arthur's court i think yeah it was something on that and i remember she gets out of it by convincing them all that she's like a god because she knows a lunar eclipse is going to happen oh wow. they're going to kill her and she's like uh if you don't release me i'll block out the sun and then the eclipse happens and they're like 
oh my god, she can control the sun. How have I not seen this? I want to see it immediately. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you sure? It sounds like <laughs> no. something I'd like to see. Which Theodore Rex instead? Okay. Yeah. Right. Which is which was the movie she yeah, had to do. Yeah, there's a Carol like talking dinosaur in that yes. movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She in order to do Sister Act, um, the studio made her do a buddy cop movie <laughs> where her partner is a dinosaur. Ah, <laughs> uh, studios. Yeah. Will they ever learn? Sorry, Star but, Trek. Yeah, but if you if you want to watch that, it is a night in Camelot oh, from okay, 1998. Cool. Yep, nice. <laughs> she 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 battles against magic, sorcery, and medieval prejudices. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Okay, so they're greeted by Aelborn, which is a cool name. Who's wearing is you know a very simple purple gown, but it's a nice purple. Um, Aelborn says they don't have anyone in authority, but he's the chairman of the council of elders, so perhaps he can help. Uh, How is that not a position of authority? Well, it sounds like it's a temporary thing. They just rotate around. Oh, okay, yeah. It's like so yeah, they just draw lots. Whoever yeah. happens to get that number that day is in charge. Okay, it's like it's like the parents and friends committee at a school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that's when you draw the worst lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this guy is a cool actor too, and he's one of those people. I swear, I've seen him in other stuff, but I or I his thought voice so, or something. I thought so too. He, like, he looks so familiar, but it's sort of impossible to tell because he's one of those '60s actors who has 150. TV credits because he's been in one yeah. episode of every TV show that was made for a couple of yep. decades. Yeah, yeah. Because all the other men were at the various wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a draft we laugh, dodger. But it's true. Draft <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He he um he strikes me as a Shakespearean actor, mm-hmm. uh, and we know well we know Shatner and all the others were anyway. But he's just yeah you know, he's got that sort of kind of English accent and he's got a great voice and yeah. a cool goatee. Shatner was a bit of a dick in this episode. Oh, he's mm, a bit Kirk. of a dick in almost every episode. Okay, cool. Because oh. I was watching it, I was like, I thought this was all about peace and love and exploring the universe and he was just not on board with accepting that culture. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like sometimes it's two groups of aliens and Kirk is the good guy that breaks them up and makes okay. them understand there are other ways to live. Yep. Um, but in this case, Kirk's the meant to be the dumb one. And gotcha. He, we learn yeah. from, from him. He comes on real strong with the arrogance right away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a real soldier in this one. I think Kirk, and it's 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 deliberate. Like there's a lot yeah. of episodes where Kirk is deliberately the arsehole. Okay. Yeah, I think um, there actually. You say the soldier thing. There's actually. I don't. I don't remember what scene it's in. It's later in the episode, but he has this line of, like, "Well, I'm a soldier," and and I thought that was interesting because that's not something you'd ever hear Picard say, or. No, or even no. even Cisco, even though the last like six seasons of that show were set during a intergalactic war. But yeah, uh, yeah, I was uh, that that line just sort of surprised me. Yeah, it seems to like yeah uh, when it suits the story or whatever, he seems to be more of a diplomat. But they're yeah, we're used to their the missions. 
you know, it's basically it's it's a mission of exploration that's yeah. meant to be a peaceful. It remind me a lot of the um, prequel trilogy mm. of how the Jedi Knights are peacekeepers. Yeah, yep. But they're quite demanding with the local people. <laughs> yeah, like everyone's saying. This is for your own safety. And then they just <laughs> fuck up the entire universe, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually reminded this episode reminded me a lot of the um the Clone Wars TV show. There's I can't remember what season it is, but it's the arc that saw Guerrero's character is introduced into the Clone Wars TV show. Oh, nice. Where it's a planet that both the CIS and the Republic are trying to take control of. And then just the locals who were just like, no, we don't want either of you. Like, and they were trying to explain to Obi-Wan, they're like, you're just as bad as them. Like, mm. you're still going to take over our planet. We still won't be in control and stuff like that. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, Spock goes off to investigate. I like how his tricorder or whatever his instrument is like, it's an old sixties design. It's got like the strap on it. Like he's a tourist with a camera Yeah, or he's got a pair of binoculars or something on holiday. I love that. That's my favorite part about stuff from the sixties of the imagination of the future is that it's still very much centered around the sixties. Yeah. Like the Jetsons still had uh, ushers for the movies and no, we can find our own seats now. (laughs) This torch is on our phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, Spock goes off to investigate the village while Aylborn takes Kirk to the council chambers. Um, Kirk explains to the council that they are in great danger and that the Klingon Empire wants to capture their planet and make it a base to use against the Federation. And he's honest with them in saying that his mission is to stop that from happening. Aylborn is very calm and says... Uh, we seem to have a choice between dealing with you or your enemies. And Kirk replies, no, with us, you have a choice. With the Klingons, you have no choice. They are a military dictatorship. War is their way of life. And uh, the council, they're completely unfazed and they say they're a peaceful uh, people and they don't have any need of defences. Um, Kirk goes on to tell them, you know, starts listing the horrible things that Klingons would do to them and offers to help them defend their planet, but the elders decline. Spock returns from exploring the village and tells Kirk that the Organians appear to be an arrested culture that has not advanced at all in tens of thousands of years. Okay, I have a question, which is, what exactly are the readings on the tricorder that tell you how much a civilization <laughs> has advanced in? <laughs> I'd love to take that thing out like, to Ipswich. Yeah. I understand, like, the, like this obviously becomes the whole thing of the episode at the end. But maybe a hundred years, like three hundred years ago, they were all living in tents, and now they're living in castles. Like, that's a big advancement. How does he know this? I was also wondering. I was like, what is this science fiction voodoo magic? <laughs> That can tell you how much is he taking biological samples from them? Is he like aging the houses? Is he evaluating the houses, like doing a grand design? I was like, oh yeah, this uh, this house is from ten thousand years ago and could sell for the value of not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was a like a a textbook of ten thousand years of Organian history that was only yeah. like ten pages long. Yeah. <laughs> So he cheated, he just read the back of a book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's that. You can measure how old the stone is. Yeah. And 
say, well, these buildings were built 10,000 years ago. Organians for dummies. They are. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah. (laughs) How to look down on people for dummies. (laughs) Spock looks down on everyone, though, because he is quite tall. Mm. He is. And he is in many ways. He has good reason to look down on everyone because he is superior. Yeah. He generally doesn't, though. He's, He's... well, he hangs out with these humans. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of him. Aylborn tells Kirk the council has considered his kind offer, but they must decline because they are in no danger. And he urges Kirk to leave before he himself lands in danger. Kirk uh, becomes desperate and tries to bribe them with all sorts of things and offers to build hospitals and schools. And then Sulu radios in to say the Klingon fleet have arrived and they're under attack. And Kirk orders him to leave the system and notify Starfleet. Uh, one of the elders, Trophane, says that eight space vehicles have assumed orbit around the planet and they are activating their transmission units. So Trophane's just sitting there like he's seeing a vision or something or getting a yeah some sort of intuition. Uh, Spock can't verify Trophane's claims with his instruments, uh, but he says it seems a logical development. And Trefane says, 700 men are approaching the Citadel. They bring many weapons. Kirk asks, how does he know that? And Aylborn says, our friend Trefane is really quite intuitive. Uh, You can be sure what he says is absolutely correct. So our heroes have found themselves uh, trapped on a planet under Klingon occupation. Yeah. And um, so Trefane was really just like a talking scanner. Yeah, basically. Like yeah. He, he was just every so often just going, beep, beep, <laughs> beep. There are seven ships surrounding the planet. No, not ships, space vehicles. There's a big difference. Yeah. Space, space vehicles. vehicles I, okay. I don't know why that term makes me <laughs> laugh so much, but it, it just always makes me laugh. Because well, it, so imply, it implies that there's something apart from spaceships. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, that's the thing, like. It's still a spaceship. You're not going to have a motorbike in space. <gasps> space yeah, tractor. Unless you're like Elon Musk. I want a space tractor. Space tractor. Oh, sick. Plowing. Just plowing <laughs> the stars. <laughs> just mining the asteroids. That sounds like a horrible autobiography of like someone from LA that was known for to be a <laughs> sex addict. Like, <laughs> plowing the stars. They call me the space tractor because I'm plowing the stars. <laughs> Oh man! Um, yeah, what did Elon put, Musk put even launch a car <laughs> in the, like a Tesla into space? Oh, that's true. Yeah, is it still that's not a space spaceship? vehicle? <laughs> yeah. But okay, I'll give you that. The the so on the pilot episode, the you know they sort of hadn't figured out their terminology, and the there's a different captain. Captain Pike rocks up, yeah, uh, on this planet and introduces himself as Christopher Pike from the space vehicle Enterprise. Oh my god. And um, I'm so glad Emily noticed that because it just went straight over my head. But I'm like, it just sounded like he's just rocking up talking about his Buick or his Holden Commodore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Going to go do doughies. Yeah. (laughs) Do some burnouts. Do some space fishies. Yeah. (laughs) Can you pit maneuver a space vehicle? (laughs) We've suddenly become more Australian than I know what to do with. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So, pit maneuver is a term I learned from Need for Speed Most Wanted. 
Oh, nice. Which is if you want to disable a car in a car chase, you drive up next to it and tap its back left or right corner because then it causes it to spin out uncontrollably. Oh, sick. Don't do that on the highway, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind yeah. next time yeah. I'm in like a car chase yes. fight. Yeah, That's and it. you have to be the good person. <laughs> You cannot use that trick for evil. If you do, I didn't teach you it. <laughs> okay. Do you have a vehicle? You don't have a vehicle in New York or any need for one, do you? Nope. I actually don't even have my driver's license. I just never bothered. Oh, wait. You were, and you were from New York City. I mean, not originally. I grew up in Indiana where you sort of do need a car. But yeah. I, took dri- I took driver's ed, but driving stressed me out to such an unbelievable level. Yeah that I just never bothered to get my license. And I lived in a pretty small town and I worked at a grocery store that was like a five minute walk from me during high school. Okay. So I just never bothered. Fair enough. I envy you actually. Cars are overrated. I've just been fanging around the city in a lime scooter all summer. Oh man, that's so good. So much fun. I mean, basically if I had a car in New York, it would be like paying double my rent. Mm. Oh no. That's right. Try and get somewhere to park the thing. Yeah. yeah, overrated. I can't wait till we get tiny drones that fly over and pick us up and chopper us to where we need to go. 2023. I have a block from this subway. Yeah. Br- yeah, Br- yeah, Brisbane's cleared for drones 2023. Is, is it? We- yeah, that's when the Uber trial is meant to start here in Brisbane. Is that a real thing? That's Holy real. Shit. Sydney and Melbourne get it 2020. So how, how big is this Uber drone thing? I think it's two people. Oh, wow. So you'd have to get a babysitter for the kids. Because I saw like Bell made some Uber taxi and it's massive. Like it yeah. would need like a football oval to land on. And- oh my god! Yeah, no, this is like um, I mean it's big. It's a single person drone, uh, single to two people drone. I think sick. Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait. Anyway, that's been drone talk. Yeah, I like it. So exciting. Okay, I'll press on. We see Klingon troops marching through the village. Uh, it looks very much like a World War II movie with you know, Nazis arriving to occupy somewhere. Except for these people had fancier pants. Oh, man, they have sick outfits. How good were those pants? And are all in brown face, which we have to mention. Yes. Yeah, we do have to mention and, that. And the, uh, I'm not quite sure if the facial hair and the Klingon leader was a bit... Um, yeah, they've combined two different racial things. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you also have like the Fu Manchu mustache. Yeah, yeah. and look, obviously the Klingons become much different looking in the later series. They redesign it completely. Yeah, and they also, for the most part, are played by black actors. Yep, but yeah. um, now is the- except yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not now. <laughs> Yeah, now's a good a time as any to remind people that shoe polish is for your shoes and not your face. Not your face. <laughs> Absolutely. He's um, dead, Jim, does not endorse blackface. blackface. No, no, that's it. Excellent. However, it, it, yeah, it's happening here. Yeah. They're yeah. playing Klingons. It'll later be explained somehow on Enterprise, which I didn't watch because that show sucked, yeah. how the Klingons eventually became completely different looking. But for now, it's dudes in brown face with fancy mustaches. Yeah. And I guess it's not quite Al Jolson level blackface, but yeah, yeah. it's not ideal. Um, they haven't, yeah, they haven't quite got the Klingon look 
sort of defined. They're basically just humans just with this brown makeup and um, they basically some of them have cool facial hair. Um, <laughs> some of them have questionable facial hair. Yeah, I got to say, I should be careful about the word cool. I don't yeah. endorse that either. Um, their outfits are on on point, though. They've got gold vests uh, over black skivvies, uh, gold chainmail pants. Yeah. They almost look always like... always have the best... Oh, sorry, go ahead. They yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they almost look like gold chain parachute pants. Yeah, yep. Was, oh, man, they look so comfortable. They're pretty cool. And they've got, like, knee-high black boots. Yep. Sequence in space is here to stay. It's pretty cool, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? They got big black belts with gold, cool sort of gold. I don't know what they say. Something else there. <laughs> Go. <laughs> big black. Finish the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have big black belts with gold buckles, and they're holstering their silver blasters. Also, I love this. I was going to do it again, didn't you? <laughs> it's something they also do. I mean, with the Vulcans and with several things, which is. The way you signify an alien is you give them very slanty eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, like real pointy. It's almost like I think Dune sort of did that as well. Some of the Harkonnens, if you're into that. If you're into Dune. What? Have you seen Dune? What the fuck is Dune? D-U-N-E. Oh, Dune. you never seen Dune. Jesus. Oh, sorry. Uh, Australian, okay. <laughs> Dune. Sorry, I'm on like my yeah. fourth glass of wine, so. No, no, no that's no, right. Like... Sorry. Um, yeah, as an American author, so I should pronounce it properly. Dune. Dune. No, Dunny. Dunny. Yeah, Dunny. <laughs> Which is the Australian yeah. slang for toilet. Yeah. That one I know. I'd never hear. You like... Are you a fan of the movie Dune? <laughs> I don't really care about Dune. Okay. Are you excited for the remake? Yes. With Dennis Villeneuve. Because he's awesome and the cast looks pretty yep. amazing. Yeah, I'm really keen for it. Nice. Uh, when does that come it? out? Uh, it's his next project, so Probably, like, he generally gets them out every two years. Year? Hang on, was the original Dune, was that um, David Lynch? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's how he met old mate Bowie. Paul Atreides. Oh. oh and probably Bowie. Yeah, yeah that's Bowie also probably how he met Bowie. Yeah. Carl McLaughlin. Yeah. Later on. Carl McLaughlin, thank you so much. Fabulous agent. Um, Dale Cooper. Okay, I'm Dale Cooper. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Can you please speak for me? <laughs> I need an interpreter. And speaking of, that's a fantastic cup of coffee that you made me. Mm. So, um, Damn good damn, coffee. Damn good coffee. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have any cherry pie for you. That's no, okay. I'll get a cherry ripe on the way home. <laughs> oh, sick. Do you have cherry ripe chocolate bars in the States? We don't, but I've had them before, and those are the ones with coconut, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a bouncy, but yes, with cherry you know. through it. Dark no. chocolate. I, I, don't, I don't approve of coconut. Ah, uh, okay. Fair enough. Wow. I approve of coconut like in curry, like savory coconut dishes I'm fine with. But the like dried coconut flakes, blech, no. Oh man, Dan oh, Dennis, <laughs> did you hear Polly Waffles are coming back? I did hear Polly Waffles are coming back. Oh man, I'm sorry. What? My so, my favorite chocolate bar of all time. It's so good. It's pretty damn good. I'm so excited! They got Birdie Beetle ice cream at Woolies now. Oh, really? Yeah, 
Oh man, Betty Beetle bars. Oh my goodness, how much of this conversation do you understand? We're not even real people anymore. We're just some sort of made up leprechauns. Honestly, sort of, and it's I get a lot of it because I listen to so many Australian comedians podcasts. Okay, cool. Yeah, that does. Yeah, that 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 would be a good way to learn about Australian culture. (laughs) Apparently, showbags are like just some fucked Australian thing too. When you go to the, you go to like the county fair or something. Yeah, it's not. Do you have? You don't have branded fair bags no. or whatever. No, okay, no. Cool. I mean, not that. You like get... you'll get you'll get like cheap crap if you walk around a county fair, but that's that's what they are. They're they're yeah. cheap crap, but just bagged up and branded as something. <laughs> yeah, and it's more not cheap it's... crap. <laughs> we don't get like bags full of candy. There's no like mm. Freddo Frog oh, bag. Oh man, I can't believe you know Freddo Frog. I've had Freddo Frog. Freddo Frog is good. Freddo Frog is good, but caramel koala is better. Which are these Everything awesome friends that send you all this stuff? <laughs> well, Sorry, I, I used to I used to like date a girl from Australia. Oh, oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that explains cool. a lot. And she- no, it doesn't explain a lot. That explains how you know so much about Australian food. <laughs> <laughs> explains that specific topic. <laughs> so she had a house like just like a pantry full of pantries. Okay, we've got so many words that are wrong. So she's got a she would a just send, kitchen. She would, she would send me stuff. Okay, cool. Very cool. Did you get Milo? I haven't had Milo. Well, you're missing out. You're definitely missing out. I've realized I've hijacked another podcast to chat about food. No, that's all right. <laughs> that's I okay. love this. Sorry. But I, do, I do have a jar of Vegemite in my cupboard right now. Okay, and you know how to eat it properly? I mean, I put it on toast with lots of butter. Yeah, thin spread? Thin spread of Vegemite? Yeah. Yeah, nice. cool. And if you want a true Australian delicacy, uh, put a bit of cheese on top and grill that. But I also do it with with uh, bread and butter and then salt and vinegar chips. Oh, sweet. And make Vegemite sandwich. salt and vinegar chips. You can like, yeah, make a sandwich out of it. That sounds amazing. That I sounds mean, so good. Sandwich implies an actual food substance, with this is not really. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. That's a chip sandwich. Yeah, a chip Oh, man, that's awesome. Um, anyway, quick one. I'll stop. Yeah. I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop derailing. But um, Dan, I can't hear the words "jar of Vegemite" without thinking of Twelfth Man. Uh, oh, you're a bit younger than me. I'm man. a bit young. I know yeah. a little bit of Twelfth Man. Yeah, not a lot. Yeah, very sorry. Anyway, that was it's a quick just derailment. Cricketers' names. Thank you. Yep, derailment over. Um, the Council of Dressed Kirk and Spock in Organian outfits. It was their queer eye moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How good Spock's outfit. Yep. He's got like a burgundy cape yeah. and a bright royal blue tunic or whatever, a jumper. Yeah. He's going to be a Vulcan merchant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that looks, oh, man. Actually, like, hang on. He's just dashing around everywhere with a cape flowing behind him. He was doing like the George Clooney Batman spins with like his I, shoulder. Oh, man, first. I do like a good cape. <laughs> Yeah, so good. And Kirk had a stylish velvet crushed rope for a belt. Yeah, and he's still got the same like gold colored, yeah, just, just a middle ages version of his captain's yep. shirt. But I, something I didn't think of at the time is like, okay, the Organians are all wearing middle ages outfits, so that's how Kirk should dress. But if they've decided um, Spock can't pass through an Organian, so he has to be a Vulcan trader. Um, why is he wearing Middle Ages stuff to <laughs> like surely Vulcans? He'd have like normal Vulcan dress. Oh yeah, 
But he looks cool. He looks like he's about to it's gonna be in an Errol Flynn movie or he's gonna be a musketeer yeah. or something. He looks so good. Um Is so, he dead? What yeah. Name is he he dead? is. Yeah. Recent, a few years a couple ago. of years ago. No, okay. R.I.P. So he was in the first I he's wearing the... that great cape in the sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he's in the first of the J.J. Abrams reboot movies. That's right. Um, so Spock is posing as a Vulcan trailer dealing in Kivos and Trillium. Uh, Aelborn has taken their phases, so they can't do anything violent. Uh, the Klingons enter the council chambers and in walks in Kor. Uh, he's wearing a... Bri- Kor. Excellent. I was going to ask how would you Kor. Kor. Well, he pronounces <laughs> an ice yeah, cold. He pronounces Kor. it more like it's a like it's a Q than a K, and then he trills the R. And I listened to it like five times, and I tried to do it, and I can't do it. But it's great. Can you do that? Can you do that one more time? I won't interrupt you. You did did pretty damn well. Core. Nice. Very uh, good. One more go, Dan Dennis. Cores. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, That's he's right. a cheap, shitty American beer. Yeah, the leader, the the leader of the Vulcan army is also known as Colorado Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my voice is too regional Australia to try anything with a rolling R. But... Does does Coors exist in Australia? <laughs> yeah, it does. It's around. Oh, it that's so I think sad. Cub, I think Cub brews it. Oh, I, so it's actually brewed here, is it? Yeah, it's brewed here. Yeah. It's not imported. Um, it's it's a little bit different to the American one I've had. Um. Because obviously, um, not obviously, but on cruise ships, on American cruise ships, they try to have American brewed beers on there. Oh, okay. And it was different. The core, the cause there, the American cause doesn't have as much malt, whereas the cause you can get here in Australia is much closer to an Australian malt lager. So okay, it actually yeah. has a better yeah, flavor. Because here it's, it's, I mean, it's basically like drinking water. Yeah. Budweiser, it's, it's, very yeah. sessionable. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a beer yeah. you drink if you're going to be drinking 12 beers. Nice. Oh, that man. sounds like it would fit right in in Australia. Yeah, like <laughs> drinking 12 tea. beers. Like, it, it, you say that like that isn't a regular go. It's just like, oh, I'm going to a house party, better pack 12 beers. Like, okay, so it's when you're having a quiet one. Then. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's not, it's not like a beer you drink if you want to have a beer. It's yeah, what you gotcha. get okay. if like you're having a large party and want to have a yeah. ton of cheap drinks. Nice. Yeah. So you're watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I used to do that for my birthday. I used to do the um, the Golden Mile pub crawl. Oh, nice. So 12 bars, 12 pints. Oh, brilliant. So good. Sounds like a good afternoon. Horrible next day. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Okay, so core that I can't pronounce, but... Um, very cool, and that's the only sort of hint of a you know a Klingon language and an accent and everything. I just think this this one actor and the choices he made really sort of opened up like a whole whole universe and a whole potential for this this Klingon empire. Because um, the rest of them just talk like normal normal yeah. guys. <laughs> um, and he was really interesting as they went on, and uh, I think. Coming to this episode, particularly after having watched so much other sci-fi stuff like Star Wars, Firefly, and the rest, Avatar to an extent, um, 
that you could see a lot of base principles that probably started from this episode yeah. and were later turned into better characters like cause mutual respect for Kirk reminded me a lot of um Grand Admiral Tarkin, not Grand Admiral Tarkin. Oh my god, Thrawn, General Thrawn. Oh, I can see uh, that. Yeah. Particularly from Rebels, yeah. Particularly from Rebels, where he has respect. Like he wants to destroy the enemy, but it, he also respects the enemy and sees them almost as an equal that he can talk to and doesn't. And also, he belittles them a bit by not seeing them as a threat. Yeah, and this is um yep. the actor is John. I don't know if this is how you pronounce the last name. I think it's Kolokos. But he was on the original Battlestar Galactica as um, as Baltar. Oh, really? Oh, okay, cool. Oh, wow. And uh, and he returns, uh, reprised the role of Kor in Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, in 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 three uh, episodes, um, one of which is the f- second season episode called blood oath which i rewatched, and is sort of one of actually like when i re- i was re watching it uh a couple of nights ago really good which is the character of dax who of course has had um she's trill which means she has this symbiont who has lived through several other hosts who is now in jadzia but in the previous host curzon had made a blood oath with Kor and a couple other Klingons to get revenge on this character who killed the sons of these Klingons. And then she, even though it's in a new host now and is now Jadzia, decides to honor that oath. And in a very un-Star Trek-like way, goes on this mission to kill this dude. Hang on. So this Jadzia, this Worf, end up married to her or going yes. out with her or um, something? When Worf comes on, they start a relationship. Jadzia, as Curzon had had um, all this dealings with the Klingons because Curzon was one of the diplomats who helped broker peace between the Klingons and the Federation. And so they eventually get married and are actually going to have a child until she gets murdered and then the Trill symbiont moves on to a new host. Oh, man. <laughs> this is the deepest cut and Dan Dennis's face. <laughs> I now know what it's like. I'm really sorry. I now know how people... Sorry. It, yeah. I now know how people feel when they just like, hey, man, what do you think's going to happen in the next Star Wars movie? Like- <laughs> <laughs> it, for me, it's especially bad with Deep Space Nine because Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek because Deep Space Nine is... I realize it happens with, I think, Enterprise and then with Discovery. But Deep Space Nine was the first Star Trek where you had real continuity. Oh, okay. Where you had season-long story arcs. Oh. Because pretty much, like, every episode of the original series and every episode of Next Generation, they're all standalone. Yeah. But Deep Space Nine in... Towards the end of season two changed that. And then when it goes on to season three and stuff, you you start getting this this real long storyline that lasts the rest of the season, which eventually becomes this whole war that happens. And there's still standalone episodes, but there's also 
like real character development, which hadn't happened like, yeah. as much as I love Next Generation. What happens in one episode never affects what happens in another, and like okay. three weeks from then. Okay, but in Deep Space Nine, stuff happens that matters. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, that's cool. And uh, I'm glad. Yeah, glad you filled me in on that because I I sort of googled. Uh, I, and that's right. I think you messaged me to say that you know um, that actor returned in Deep Space Nine, uh, and I just googled Core in Deep Space Nine, and I landed on. Uh, an episode called Once More Unto the Breach, which is in the final season. Yeah, uh, that's sort of a weird one to just come in on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I, I sort of I knew enough about what was going on to join the dots, but I, I, I yes, I thought that was his episode, like his only one, so I'm glad to know. Yeah, no, the, the one, Blood Oath brings back three Klingon epi- characters. It brings back Kor and two others that I am too drunk to remember the names of, but um, <laughs> one from one from The Trouble with Tribbles and one from Day of the Dove. So basically the three major Klingon characters from the original series. Oh, okay. And Ooh. they all join together to do this thing. And apparently, because I was reading up on it, um, John Kolkos, who plays Kor, originally was really unsure of doing it because when he read the beginning of the script... Core has become this drunk sort of joke, and he was really unhappy with that. But then he he talked to the writers of the script, and he like read the rest of it, and he has this real turn in the third act where you see it's this this aged Klingon recapturing his former glory, and then he decided to do the episode because he loved it. And it's it's okay. it's a really good episode. If um for listeners who haven't watched Deep Space Nine, Blood Oath is one you can still watch without any sort of background and get a lot out of it. It's it's really solid. Yeah, it sounds like it has a very similar story arc to Jar Jar Binks throughout the prequel trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same. Oh how he starts off as a bumbling fool and then he becomes a handler to the uh person of representative to Naboo and then he becomes a chancellor of Naboo. And he's like knocking things over with his tongue. Emperor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've let us off on wild divergence here. We're still in. That's okay. Right. We're back from like the first commercial break. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. Um, Guys, you heard it here first. Jar Jar Binks is going to be the big bad in episode nine. (laughs) Nice. And then is this where Ray and um, Kylo are going to have to join forces in order to, to defeat Jar Jar? Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Okay. I'll, I, once we stop recording, I'll tell you both my theory about Star Wars Episode Nine. Nice. Um, but we should probably continue because yeah, <laughs> I think we're 20 minutes into like a 50-minute episode. That's right. We'll launch through. Yeah. Um, so thank you. I remember to watch Blood Oath. And so I did, want to, I did mean to say before that, this current episode, Errand of Errand of Mercy, that we're talking about, is such a good episode that if you're not watching all of the episodes as we go through, definitely make sure you watch this one. It's pretty good. Um, Aelborn is calm and gracious and introduces Kirk as Barona, one of their leading citizens. Kirk is shit at being undercover because he's too angry. <laughs> so bad at it. <laughs> And Cor asks him, where is your smile? The stupid, idiotic smile everyone else seems to be wearing. 
Um, Cora immediately suspects Spock of being a Vulcan spy and orders him to be taken to prison. And Kirk blurts out, he is no spy. Cora turns and says, well, have we a... He says, well, have we a ram among the sheep? Cora announces that they are now subjects of the Klingon Empire and there will be many regulations. Violation of the smallest will result in death. Uh, should one Klingon soldier be killed, a thousand Organians will die. Uh, he needs a liaison from the civilian population, but he looks around, despising the elders, and says he doesn't trust men who smile too much, and he chooses Barona. Uh, in Kor's office, Kor hands Barona Kirk a list of decrees, including public assemblies of more than three people are banned, uh, two guards bring Spock in. Uh, they've used their mind ray on him and found that he is telling the truth and he is a Vulcan traitor. Uh, they said they used Force 4, which is sufficient to break down any pretense. Um, okay, um, I have a question for our listeners here. I don't know. It definitely doesn't come up in Next Gen or any of the subsequent series, but if my, my original series knowledge is very sparse, so... Do the Klingons continue to have mind rays? Because this is the first I've ever heard of it. Mm. Yeah. My favorite part about the mind ray, mind ray was how Core pronounced the word vegetable. Because <laughs> he always said it was like vegetable. <laughs> like, it was so funny. Like, I just kept on laughing and replay, replaying it. And Dad came in and was like, what are you watching? I'm like, listen, this guy say vegetable. <laughs> it will leave you a vegetable. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna go back and re-listen to that. Yeah, it's so good. Like, go particularly the second time he mentions it'll turn you into a vegetable ball. Like, <laughs> it's um at later in the episode, it's just completely just mispronounced so wrongly. Like, it, it's amazing that none of them were just like vegetable. Just say vegetable, <laughs> veg table, veg table. <laughs> this guy. And he's so good. Like everything else he says is on point. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Oh my god! Because this guy's like he's obviously you know, he comes across as a great stage actor. He's got that, yeah that presence that just you know, walks in the room and just yeah you're not you you don't notice anybody or anything else in the room while he's there. Yeah, he was so good. So Core asks if Kirk would like to try their mind shifter and mind sifter or whatever. He has a lot of names for it. Um, he says it can be used as a mind ripper that can record any bit of knowledge in a man's mind, but when that much force is used, the mind is emptied permanently. Core yeah. orders Barona to keep the people in order or he will be killed. And that this is where we get, you know, like a World War II movie or something. The, that night, Kirk and Spock, um, they go on an operation to blow up a Klingon munitions dump. Now... Right before they do that, I want to ask, did they do their own stunts? Because that was a pretty big jump when, that Kirk does to take out the guard when he's like two meters kind of in the air on the stairs, jumps off the stairs and tackles a guy by the back and they seem to just be filming on dirt. I'm going to say probably not yeah. because we've seen episodes where stunt people are brought in for no reason. Like okay. Maybe they filmed a big, long battle sequence, but we only got a little bit. Yeah. And 
the stunt people are clearly visible, pretty close, front on, and they're obviously different people. Gotcha. Okay. Like, gotcha. not even close to the same hairdo. Oh, okay. Yeah, just got the like random distracting guy. Yeah. how obvious it is. Okay. And that's just so they can do, like, something that the actors could easily have done. So, yeah. based on that, yeah, they probably did have stunt people. Okay, cool. But anyway, they blow up the ammunition dump, <laughs> and then they, instead of running to the left and back to the door that they came through, they just run to the other wall. Yeah. They're like, oh, we got to get out of here. There's a chemical explosion about to go off in five, four, three. And they're just running like 20 meters to the other side of the room, to the other wall. They're still standing directly in front of it when it blows up. Yeah, it's a massive explosion. They sort of, they sort of have to just bury themselves almost to try and stay yeah. alive. And no one comes running to investigate the explosion. Yeah. Like, there's guards around. We know there's guards around. We've just seen the guards walk away. And it's been maybe a minute. Yeah. So, later on, we get them, um, Kirk and Spock are back at the council chamber. And they're explaining to the elders that, uh, oh, yeah, the elders are shocked and say, this is terrible violence. And Kirk lectures them and... You know, explains to them they did it to show them, try and show them that they can fight back. Kirk gives them a big lecture and says, why don't you have the backbone to stand up and fight and protect the ones you love? And then we cut to Kor watching everything Kirk is saying via a camera he has installed in the council chambers. Uh, the Klingons enter and arrest Kirk and Spock and Kor turns to Aelborn with disgust and says, always it is the brave ones who die, the soldiers. I hope you will savour the sweetness of your life. You disgust me. Aelborn uh, asks what will happen to them, and Kor says he's going to use the Mind Ripper on them. And Aelborn says, you don't need to use your machine. I can tell you his name. He's Captain James T. Kirk. And Kirk freaks out. He's been betrayed. He's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, Why would you possibly say that if all you wanted was peace? Why, like, He's a well-known Starfleet captain. <laughs> uh Kor's eyes light up and he's excited for all, all of a sudden he says from the uss enterprise a starship commander and he's pumped to meet kirk uh Kor take Kor takes kirk to his office and offers him a drink here we are on a planet of sheep two tigers predators hunters killers it is that which makes us great because apparently they have tigers on Klingon. Apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got space whales or something like that. Oh, do they have space whales in Star Trek as well? I only know that from Discovery because Tilly's offered space whale meat. Oh, okay. Which is sort of meant to be Every under, sci-fi undercover. has space whales. It's great. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, Star Wars. Doctor ha- Who? Doctor Who's got the space whales because there's the city on top of one. Um, That's a really good episode. Space oh, wow. whales are in Rebels. Oh, nice. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, because, um, fuck, what's his name? Ezra can talk to them and communicate with them through the Force. Oh, and, like, and there they, is a... They travel at hyperspeed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There is some... Next generation episode that has some sort of energy creature. Yeah. Because there's lots of energy creatures in Star Trek. Yeah. But there's one that's very similar to a whale. Okay. Sweet. Wow. Space whales. Space whales. Very cool. 
Uh, Kor gives Kirk 12 hours to tell him everything he wants to know about the Starfleet. Otherwise, he will have Spock killed and dissected to find out how he can possibly resist their mind ray. And Kirk's mind will be extracted, leaving him a vegetable, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Definitely going to rewatch that. Um, later, Kirk and Spock are in a jail cell with a flaming torch on the wall. I swear we've seen this in at least one other episode. It reminded me of the Planet of the Apes yeah. um, cell from, like, the original Planet of the Apes. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, there's a couple where we've had sort of medieval planets or whatever. Yeah. So, it's cool, though. I like it. Um, okay, so the door opens and Kirk and Spock get ready, they hide behind the door, but it's not a Klingon that enters, it's Aelborn, and he calmly leads them down the hallway to safety. That was never explained. Well, I think we sort of get the fact that these guys can pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But also there was still two guards on the Yeah. Door. Well, they say there's like 10 guards there. Yeah, and they're like, out. none of them saw anything. They opened the door and then they weren't in there. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, Look, we are 27 episodes into this season. Yeah. Which, first of all, is insane. Yeah. But also, it's maybe like one in three episodes. The explanation is God aliens. Okay, cool. Gotcha. <laughs> Just say so that, guys. Fucking yeah. God aliens. <laughs> Just say it. Says like, by the way, we are the equivalent of a god. Um, so Alborn explains your captors plan to do violence to you. Uh, they couldn't let that happen. Um, cut to a terrified Klingon officer walking into Kor's office to tell him the bad news that the prisoners escaped, despite there being no way out and ten guards guarding the place. Um, Kirk and Spock are back in the cou- council chambers and they're trying to make sense of what's going on with the elders. Uh, Kor's voice comes on over a loudspeaker and you can hear phaser fire and he says there's, uh, he's saying that the two Federation prisoners must be returned immediately. Uh, 200 Organians have just been killed. 200 more will be killed every hour until the prisoners are returned. Very uh, very similar to um, that antidote. antidote from the U2 concert. Where Bono says, every time I clap my hands, a child in Africa dies. (laughs) And someone called out, then stop clapping your fucking hands. (laughs) That's my favorite. That would have had. Was that in Ireland, that concert? Uh, Yeah, I think it was in Ireland. I don't even know if that is the most Irish thing I've ever heard anyone yell out. Very Irish. It's one of those stories I keep on hearing. I have no idea if it's true or not. I I like Uh, to believe it's true just because people. Fogging with Bono gives me great joy. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I thought when you said you too, it's like, unless you return those two prisoners, we're going to put an album on your iPod. <laughs> yeah. Like it or not. <laughs> um, the elders eventually agree to let Kirk and Spock have their phases back and they head off after the Klingons. Uh, so that night, our heroes embark on a stealth mission to take the fortress. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They're stunning guards one by one. Where they shoot a giant laser that takes up the entirety of the screen and <laughs> no one sees them. Like <laughs> Two great big blue lights. And, uh, and also, I've played enough of Hitman to know you've got to hide the body. Oh, yeah. Don't just leave the body in front of the stair. We'll find a bush. 
uh, put in the shadow with the other body. I think this is a speed run, though. I oh, think okay, this is cool. just try and get to core. As they're fast they're as using glitches. Yeah, they're using glitches to get to core. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> using cheat codes and yeah. enable walk through walls. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, the Council of Elders start meditating together. Uh, Kirk and Spock make it all the way to Core and hold him at phaser point in his office. Uh, Core is pumped up and says the Federation fleet is arriving and the two fleets are about to face off above them in space. Um, Core's guards burst in and they're all about to have a big fight when all of a sudden everyone starts yelling and drops their phasers. Everyone's like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> I love the... Disturbed style. <laughs> <laughs> What, what happened to my gun? Yeah, I did go so disturbed then, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Um, yeah, everybody, yeah, like the subtitles were hilarious because it just popped up all over the screen. Ah, ah. ah. <laughs> so, yeah, they drop their phases. Uh, then they try to fight hand to hand, but every time they touch one another, they yell in pain. Cut to the Enterprise Bridge and everyone yells and leaps out of their seats. And the elders finally walk into Kor's office and they say, we're terribly sorry. We have to interfere, gentlemen, but we have to put a stop to your violence. All instruments of violence on this planet now radiate at 350 degrees. They are useless. And the same applies to your fleets. There will be no violence. And then Aelborn goes on to explain, as I stand here, I also stand on the home planet of the Klingon fleet and the home planet of your Federation, Captain. I'm going to put a stop to this insane war. Uh, Kirk and Kor start to protest. Uh, Aylborn says, unless both sides agree to an immediate cessation of hostilities, all of their armed forces will be immediately immobilised. Kirk is a massive dickhead now. And he uh, <laughs> yeah. sort of lists all their, you know, to be fair, they're genuine grievances, but he lists all of his grievances with the Klingon Empire. And Aylborn says that they would reach peace uh, if left to their own devices, but only after millions had died. Uh, he says that in the future, humans and Klingons will become friends. So there we go. This is already a bit of a plan laid out for how the story goes. Um, the elders then say that uh, basically hanging out with beings like this causes them immense pain and they don't want to hang out yeah. with them anymore. <laughs> And they phase out of the beings of pure energy. Yeah, it's a, so it's a blinding flash, and so much that you know, Core has to cover his eyes. The thing I don't understand was that they were beings that can control anybody in the universe, wherever they are, and that doesn't break Star Trek as a whole. Like anytime something. Uh. Like, that, that's such a weird thing that they've just introduced these characters that have the power to stop everyone. There's a lot of... Yeah. There's a lot of aliens in this massive Yeah, so you sort of go, yeah, okay. why, why does this particular war bother you so much and not every other conflict All that comes others. up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just get bored and lose their attention span for the next. Yeah. <laughs> um, back on the bridge, Kirk is very reflective. Oh, and- no, you missed the... Important part. Go. Okay. Miss the important part where um Kirk don't don't Kirk and Core shake hands or something? Oh no, no, Core's just like, nah, and what a war it would have been, Captain. <laughs> with like a smile and a wink. <laughs> and then they both somehow get onto their ships as if they're like, Okay, well I guess we gotta go. 
Yeah, they're all everybody's all calm. Yeah, and- like Alan's like, oh, okay, but surely they're going to start fighting again. Like, they're not just going to stop just because they've seen two dudes turn into light and disappear. Well, as we find out in season two, they don't. Yeah. They- they, oh, okay. They they live on to fight another day. Oh. Yeah, because we just pretend this shit didn't happen. Yeah, yeah gotcha. basically. Okay, cool. <laughs> the writers oh, just also, hang on. To our listeners, if somebody can tell me, because I'm way too lazy to Google it, I'm so disappointed it wasn't actually in this episode. Um, the Klingon adage of today is a good day to die. When does that come into it? Is it in the original Ooh. series or is it not until later? Let me know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can just do that for your listeners right now in the laziest way possible. Um, hey, Siri, when does the Klingon <laughs> phrase, today is a good day to die, when is it first used in Star Trek? Dan is yelling out, hey, Siri, to his Android phone. No, I'm just telling you. <laughs> oh, you're trying to trigger my Mac. <laughs> I'm not trying to trigger your Mac. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to trigger your users' computers and stuff like that. So yeah. as they're oh. listening. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Well, you might as well do Hey Google as well. Is it Hey Google or OK Google? OK Google. OK Google. Which I know because my Google just started to spin those lights and now it's listening to me. My favorite favorite one is Hey Siri sounds like you're talking to a friend, but OK Google sounds really condescending. It does. It's like, OK, smart ass. OK Google. Then you tell me. (laughs) What do you say to Alexa? (laughs) Please don't kill me. (laughs) Yeah. But... uh, I find myself occasionally saying please to my Google and then it oh, says, nice. thank you. It, it'll be like, thank you for asking so politely. Oh, man, you'll be spared when the robots <laughs> take over. I'm going to start using please. <laughs> I, feel like we're ten, I, I feel like we're 10 years away from the argument that you can't call them robots. Yeah. I, I almost always say please, but occasionally I also say, shut the fuck up, Google. And then it stops. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and just go, sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to offend. Yeah, I know. What I'm accent so- was that? I was trying to do like baby talk. <laughs> I swear I was, I was trying to do baby your, talk. And then I was Elmer just. Elmer Fudd? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've noticed, I do this dumb thing like in the car. If Siri doesn't quite understand me or do what I ask her to, then I'll get real angry and start raising my voice. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Siri, if you don't change the song, then I'm turning this car around and we're going straight (laughs) home. What a fuckhead I turned out to be. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, so they transform into pure energy and that's cool. Spock estimates that the Organians are as far above us on the evolutionary scale as we are above the amoeba. Uh, Back on the bridge, Kirk is very reflective and tells Spock he's embarrassed. He was furious with the Organians for stopping a war that he didn't want. Uh, we think of ourselves as the most powerful beings in the universe. It's unsettling to discover that we are wrong. And Spock says it took millions of years for the Organians to evolve in what they are. Even the gods did not spring into being overnight. You and I have no reason to be embarrassed. Roll credits. <laughs> wrong franchise. Get the fuck out of here with your John Williams. <laughs> Um, what gods is he referring to? It's very random. There's like sometimes there's Christian stuff. Sometimes there's, is this the Greek gods? Oh, actually, um, I imagine it would be the Christian God because it had the very hurrah American, um, the democratic system is the only way that a country can exist. 
there is this weird line where where you're like, okay, John Wayne. <laughs> but it said gods plural. Yeah, this is Spock talking. Are there Vulcan gods? Yeah, I think there are. Yeah, they're, don't they? They're referred to in the Abrams movies, mm. in the first one, the Vulcan gods. But it's like a different type of god or something. Do you know of any Vulcan gods, Emily Lynn? I was actually just going to ask if there are Vulcan gods because that seems contrary to the whole ultimate logic oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Yeah. Or maybe he's just referring to his love of ancient literature. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, I think that was a pretty damn good episode. And like I said before, you if you're not watching all of these, you should watch this one, Errand of Mercy, pretty good. Yeah, and yeah. as someone who's never watched Star Trek before, it was an episode that I could understand because I'm aware of Klingon, the Klingons. I'm aware of Starfleet and that that original cast. So it was just, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that the Klingons weren't in it that much. I didn't realize that was the first time. Yeah. And then they were for, obviously, the billions of Till seasons the, made after. Yeah, it yeah, the end of time. Yeah, it becomes something that the fandom really latched on to to the point where you can buy like Hamlet in Klingon and all this shit because people love the whole noble warrior race thing gross <laughs> so yeah, gross <laughs> I honestly I never really got it they're quite like I like a lot of the Klingon characters I love Worf and Next Generation and DS9 and I love Kor in this episode and there's some cool stuff there, but it's like the obsession with it has always seemed kind of gross and racist to me. Yeah, it that screams to me. It's like why I tend not to play D and D with people who pick a warrior monk character because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that always gets sketchy right away. <laughs> they tend to also think very highly of themselves. If that's the if that's the type of role they're putting themselves into the story as, nah, get yeah. out. Not allowed. Good call. Quickly evolve into energy and get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're watching Discovery and go to subtitles, Klingon's available as a language. Oh, oh okay, cool. Uh, is it cool or is it no, it's not, not cool, at all? Right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people can like what they want. The thing I like about but, Discovery is they actually, when they are talking to themselves and no one else is, a, is around, the Klingons actually talk in Klingon. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But also, that's also like the weird people who go and study Elvish at Oxford University. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, so many other oh, things. Oh, that's where it was invented. <laughs> yeah, I know. But just like, hey, you're in one of the best universities in the world and you're studying Elvish? <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's you the thing. Fucking nerd. If you already speak like seven languages and you want to yeah. learn Elvish or Klingon, I have no problem with that. Go but for it. otherwise, yeah. <laughs> maybe learn Spanish <laughs> or Mandarin. Yeah, or yeah. something at all useful. Yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll go. Ukrainian. As opposed to me, who's going to spend the rest of my afternoon browsing Facebook, probably. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do whatever you want in life. Enjoy life. Uh, any other final thoughts on this episode? Um, it was yeah, it was interesting in that it displayed the Starfleet as not the all-knowing, all-good side 
that they seem to show in every other episode where from an outsider's perspective, it's like, no, you're trying to accomplish the same thing that these people who you say are the bad people are trying to accomplish. And if you're in control, we don't really have freedom anyway. We have freedom now, but just because you're the lesser of the two evils doesn't mean that we have freedom. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty advanced sort of well-evolved storytelling for the yes. 60s. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Probably yeah. Uh, reference to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, probably. I got to say, I'd really, as much as I am, and I've said this on several episodes now, and the fact that we're in the first season and this has come up several times is sad. I'm so sick of God Aliens. But <laughs> yeah. this is still a really good episode. And while I don't get the whole Klingon obsession, there's a lot of groundwork here that you can see reaches to even Star Trek Today, which is cool. And this guy playing Core is awesome. It's a great performance. He's really good. It's a yeah, solid yeah. character. It might lead to some stuff that bores me later on, but here it's it's great. And I just I love this guy. He's he's awesome. One final thing too, apparently Core's in the animated series. Uh, voiced by Jimmy Doohan, who plays Scotty. Yes. There you oh. go. So I want to see that too. Very cool. Any other final thoughts, Emily? Uh, watch this episode. If you don't yeah. normally watch along with this, watch this one. Watch Blood Oath of Deep Space Nine. If you're watching Deep Space Nine and you're following the whole thing, uh, his later episodes are also good. Uh, one of them is sort of Kales, and I forget the name of the other episode because it's pretty deep into the whole uh, Dominion War. But if you've never watched Deep Space Nine before, you can still watch Blood Oath. It's great. And there's some cool Klingon stuff that's a lot of fun. Okay. And his final episode, Once More Unto the Breach in Season 7, which I accidentally watched first. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Let's wrap it up. Dan Dennis. Where, tell us again where we can find your wonderful shows in Adelaide and Melbourne. Okay, so you can find my shows in Adelaide. Um, I'm performing at Basement Studios just off Rundle Mall, uh, 5.30 p.m. The show is called Now We're Cooking. If you search for Now We're Cooking on the Adelaide Fringe website, you'll be able to find tickets. Um, use the code COOK for discount tickets. I just want to fill the place out. Um, and then at Melbourne, I will... Sorry, and then in Adelaide, the dates are the 28th of Feb to the 2nd of March. Um, and then I'll be in Melbourne from the 7th of April through to, I think, the 18th of April is my final show. Uh, no shows on the 12th or the 13th. 5.30 p.m. Fireside at Bar and Pare. It's right behind Town Hall. It's also called Now We're Cooking. Once again, go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival website. You will be able to find details. Um, and then if everyone can also please follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, just search at, at be a battered boy on any of those platforms and you should find my profile, Dan Dennis, uh, and help me achieve my dream of becoming a brand ambassador for lick ice cream. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so good. Thanks, Steve, for coming on. Oh, good. Legend. Uh, so Emily Lind, where can we follow you? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind, that's E-F-L-I-N-D. I also do a Star Wars podcast called Cantobite Dispatch. You can find that on Twitter at Cantobite Pod. 
can find it on, you know, uh, iTunes and all the various podcatchers. Candidate Dispatch. Um, I also do... I normally... I've sort of stopped mentioning this because we haven't done an episode in a while. But just today, we've been talking about getting the show back. And that is How's Annie, which is a Twin Peaks yes. podcast. We're going to sort of redo how we're thinking about the show. It's not going to be an episode by episode thing anymore. It's going to be more of a theme based thing. But if you like Twin Peaks at all, check out How's Annie. So good. Oh man, that's great news. So excited. I'm excited. Uh, Of course, you can follow us. We're at He's Dead Jim Pod on all your favorite social media things. And shoot us an email. Um, We're He's Dead Jim Pod at gmail.com. What was that shout out you wanted? What was that research you needed, Emily? Something Uh, about Klingons. Uh, The Uh, phrase. The the, uh, day is a good day to die. Yeah, when did that start did that enter in the original series or is that something that Klingon started busting out later email us he's dead Jim pod at gmail.com would love to hear from you my phone just, uh, my watch my smartwatch just lit up and it's like yeah Emily started following me on Twitter thank you Emily sick <laughs> <laughs> oh man you're that dedicated to the yeah thank you to the followers it's that easy to do guys and I'll know if you'll be able to do it because I have a smartwatch <laughs> Awesome. So good. Do you know our sign-off? His dad, Jim, stop touching his chest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that might be the new See one. See you next week. <laughs>